Welcome to the Startup Creative Podcast. I'm your host, Kayleen Langford, founder of Startup Creative, your go-to source for straight-up business advice. Hi guys and welcome back to the Startup Creative Podcast. I'm your host, Kayleen Langford, the founder of Startup Creative. And today I'm going to share with you an episode which is a conversation that I had with Lauren, the founder of Seriously Sorted. Lauren came to me as a client for some business coaching and really taught me about what she does with Seriously Sorted and I'll let her explain it in the podcast but um, it's all about putting systems in place and helping to scale businesses and the more that I learned about her business the more that I was like well I really need you (laughs) and Lauren and I have formed this beautiful friendship over the last year or so where we have really clearly identified that I can be the big dreamer and the big thinker and the visionary and I can pull ideas together and, and make something out of it. And Lauren is absolutely brilliant at details and systems and structures and all the things that give me anxiety. So over the years, we have um, learnt to work together and support each other and catch up and, and have a laugh. And Lauren's helping me with my book writing process and a few other things that I'm working on. And um, I really wanted her to share the wisdom that she has done for my business, for those of you who might be looking to get more organized, to put some systems in place. Maybe you're procrastinated about outsourcing or scaling your business. Lauren's going to teach you exactly where to get started, why it's important and how to do it. I'll leave you to the episode. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to the podcast today, Lauren. Nice to have you here. Thank you so much. Good to be here. Uh, I'm excited about today's chat because we've been talking about it for a while and we've also been working together for a while, which has been a total game changer for me in my personal and business life. Um, So I'm excited to share um, some insights into what you do and how you've helped and yeah, and help hopefully teach more people out there um, who are running businesses and are looking to to get some help to, I think, especially to grow and to scale, but to um, deal with the overwhelm and the yeah. never-ending tasks that come with um, starting and running your own business. Yes. Perfect. Let's do it. All right. So maybe just before we kick off, um, do you want to introduce yourself and your business name and a little bit about um, where you came from and how you started your business? Yeah, sure. So hi, my name's Lauren Stratford and I run Seriously Sorted. I'm a productivity coach and systems designer for small creative businesses. So my real passion area is um, systems and structures and how we can use those to free up our time for what we really love, whether that's working more or working less. (laughs) Um, That's sort of the crux of it. So in terms of my background, my background's in um, franchise systems, surprise, surprise. So worked for a few major franchise um, companies in my corporate career for about 15 years before I left that to work with, to work with my partner actually in our property development business. So a lot of project management in there and then decided that didn't quite light me up (laughs) enough so I started Seriously Sorted to help other small businesses take my I guess my um, big business knowledge and structures and apply it to their small business because often it's the small businesses that can actually obviously affect the change and have the impact in sometimes a way that the corporates can't so that's sort of me in a nutshell. So I help people by looking at their systems and seeing where we can have efficiencies, look where we can template, automate, outsource, and essentially um, show people that systems and structure can be freeing and not necessarily restrictive. Amazing. That's me. <laughs> yeah, it's incredible what you do. And like, to be honest, which is why this podcast is happening today, is your skill sets and your work and what lights you up is the complete opposite to me. Like that, that list that you just gave, like gives me anxiety. <laughs> and which is well, really, I, I guess I approached you originally because we, and I guess we can say this in, in hindsight now, we've completely learned that we are opposites and I guess opposites attract and our skill sets have completely complemented what each other has needed to do and I love that about our working relationship. 
Yeah, me too. And you've taught me so much. And I think that if nothing else like this whole, the partnership and the work that we've done together and, you know, just getting to know you as a friend as well, it's been this um, realization of um, how easier, how much easier life and business can be when you outsource um, the mm-hmm. stuff that you know that you need to do, um, but you don't, that doesn't light you up. And as a result can really snowball into stress and overwhelm and yeah. imposter syndrome and, and everything that can really um, stop you from growing your business and scaling. And I think up until meeting you, it was this constant battle of like, shit, this to-do list is never ending. And there's yeah, all these tasks that it, I find it really hard to um, sit down and focus my energy on. And we're going to run through today some things that Lauren's taught me and, and done in my business to help me to um, get some clarity and release some of that stress and overwhelm and, yeah, find and be inspired to outsource because I know especially as a dreamer and an entrepreneur and I know there's a lot of people who start their businesses from that place, um, it can actually feel quite daunting to even yep. use the word outsource. Like it's, yes. it's the too hard basket. Um, and in some ways it's like really like you might think, oh, yeah, of course, Lauren, like that's so easy to say, just outsource it. Where am I going to find the money and things like that? But when you go through some of the processes that we've been through, it's also about understanding the value of your time and that sometimes, you know, freeing up the time um, by outsourcing will give you the time to earn more money doing what you love to cover the cost of that outsourcing sometimes. So there is definitely education piece as well around understanding the value of your time in order to stand the under the in order to understand the value of outsourcing I suppose yeah and I think that's a great place to start because you have to understand why you're outsourcing right and you know I I do a lot of work in goal setting and and helping people to dream into what they want to create and often what I find is that people come in with a business idea and they are the creator, right? Like they're the entrepreneur, they they have the vision, um, which isn't enough. You have to be able yeah. to also do the admin. You have to also be able to do the systems. And then if you're going to keep growing and taking it bigger and, and keep upscaling, um, some people will move to hiring or, you know, bigger supply chains, more customers, Um, None of that can happen. Like there is only so much time in a day and there is only so much energy that each individual human has to offer um, and to give, let alone in the business, let alone, you know, life and relationships and and world, um, you know, problems that we're enduring at the moment. Um, So I think it's about... Step one, which I think is where I was was at when I met you and we started working, <laughs> is having these big dreams and goals of how do we take a startup creative global? You know, how do I, yeah. um, you know, bring back some of my time because I was feeling time poor um, and how do I scale that and find more space in my business to be able to grow and scale? Yeah. Yeah, and I think the first thing you've really got to do is look at where your time is being spent. So I do that in a couple of different ways, but I distinctly remember sitting with you in your office last year, I think it was, and just looking at your enormous beautiful to-do list, like beautiful ideas and different things, but it was enormous and it was like where on earth do you start? Um, and and when you are a dreamer and you've got these big, beautiful dreams, I guess, again, the yin to your yang is I'm an executor, I suppose. I can see this, I can see in my head like the system on how to do it. And I think that sometimes when you have the big ideas, it's hard to know where to start, well, which idea to start with first, <laughs> number one, and then where on earth in the process do you start? Yeah. And absolutely. So let's talk through what we did there because I think it would be a really helpful (laughs) skill set for those at home. So just as a bit of using myself as a case study here. Yeah. um, I was, I met Lauren and she came in and I was like, 
you know, look, this is my, my list. I think I had probably three notebooks, each of which had at least three to five pages of ideas, (laughs) personal tasks that I needed to do, like from booking flights to calling accountants to, you Mm. know, paying a parking fine, um, you know, social media, um, ads, um, competitions, new resources I wanted to develop, to develop, um, online courses, coaching clients, you know, there was this endless list of, and it was just to all name the, a few. Yeah. Just a few, let alone a magazine production and podcast episode. No. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so overwhelm, right? Like my yeah. brain was just a mess. I thought that I was doing really well putting it on a to-do list and I will agree with you that I do pride myself in nice um, notebooks and pens. <laughs> so it did look beautiful and it I did. thought that that was, um, you know, that was what we, what I was, you know, it was a good thing. It was just put it all on to-do list and then it can be achieved. So yeah. do you want to talk through um, when you saw that what to-do we did. list, what you <laughs> made I like- do? pick myself up off the floor from hyperventilating. No. Uh Um, And and it is like you've done absolutely the right thing in getting it all out of your head, which is what systems and processes is about. We want to free up your headspace to give you the time to fill it with what you want, like to fill it with creating. So when I looked at your to-do list, it was like, it was essentially a brain dump. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we literally went through every, every piece every line item on your different lists and sort of allocated it to something whether it was okay this is first we sort of broke it down by this is a personal to-do or this is a work-based to-do I think that's what we did first and okay so we've broken it down by that okay let's grab the work to-dos and let's just break it down a little bit further so you can I do this in sort of two ways with people you can either break it down by sort of department I'd say like this is a marketing task or this is a finance task or you can break it down by project if you've got sort of some larger things to do it might actually be better to break it down by project I think we broke it down sort of by topic like marketing department things like that so Mm. that we could see how many marketing items there were on that list for example and then we further break it down just one more step to go, right, is that something that Kay needs to do or is that something that could be done by someone else? So if it's, you know, um, writing a, a module outline for a course, sure, that's something that Kay needs to do. But is it uploading that module to your course platform? That's probably something that you don't need to do. So we could really quickly get an idea of, one, the things that, you must be like it needs to be you as well as the things that don't have to be you and then you can also start to really see like oh there's a lot of things on this particular topic that I'm just not getting done and is that like where I have a mental block like for me personally I'm terrible at marketing so my marketing to-do list it just sits there until I realize okay Lauren you're never going to do this so you either need to delete it off your list and it doesn't get done or you get someone else to do it. And I think that's where we got to in in that particular session that we'd sort of broken it down and had a really nice visual of what you needed to be involved in and what could be outsourced by someone else. And then when you've got that outsourcing list, it's essentially the, the job description, I suppose, of the person that you need, whether that's a VA or an actual marketing consultant, for example. Um, it starts to give you a really nice visual I guess, of, of the things that you can start to talk to someone else about when you're needing to hunt for someone, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that experience of so what we ended up, we went from this, you know, pages and pages of the scattered to-do list to um, probably five or six really clear to-do lists that had really clear headings. So there was the marketing, there was a VA, mm. there was um, business admin, there was you know, K's list, there was a personal list. And what that allowed me to do was A, that I was like, oh, it was a relief because my list looked really inspiring and it was stuff that I wanted to be doing. (laughs) (laughs) That came really naturally that, that wanted, you know, that I wanted to spend my energy on. Right. And then the other list, it, it was this relief of like, oh, 
I don't have to mm. be doing that stuff. And and all of a sudden this um, dream and this concept of, of outsourcing and sharing some of the burden, um, it felt clearer and it felt easier. And I think the other thing that I learned from that was that when I schedule my work week, I try not to take meetings before 10 a.m. because for me that's my most creative time, right? Mm-hmm. And so when I'm from about 6 a.m. till 10 a.m., I'm doing a morning routine. Maybe I'm updating my Instagram and talking to my community and then I create. So whether it's writing my book or um, a blog post or a podcast episode and, and it's from a pure creative space. And so when I was able to then look at my work week and the afternoon times for me are way more like just admin, like I developed a kind of a habit of just being like sit down and do the admin. But it meant that I could just pick up my admin list and focus on that as well. So it actually allowed me to time block my week better because you know, the times that I knew were creative, I could pick up my business development, you know, creative growth marketing stuff, those to-do lists. And it wasn't, you know, distracted or bombarded by, you know, having to call the doctor back or, um, yeah. you know, the all the little admin stuff. So I think it's a really good strategy for those listening at home to split those to-do lists up, to time block your week and know when you're going to work on each of the to-do lists based on your own skill sets, which we'll get into next. Mm. Um, but also um, it allows you to feel inspired and, and a lot more in control of, um, yeah, what you're actually out to achieve. And then those time blocks um, all of a sudden you're you're getting things done rather than getting yeah distracted. and and time blocking in particular it's something I've spoken about before around time blocking needs to be quite strategic so if if you don't really know what you're working on and at the start of the week you just go oh I'm just going to make up these time blocks I'm just going to allocate an hour to social media and I'm going to allocate an hour to this it's kind of like well why why does it get an hour <laughs> versus more or less and and why have you chosen that whereas if you've got these to-do lists set out in the way you're describing, you you have an, an intent and a purpose for using that block. And the other thing I would say about time blocking as well is if something is, um, think about it as if you were taking a meeting with yourself. So you've time blocked because this is an important to-do. And if for some reason, thing, you know, some things happen and we need to, like, we don't get to that piece today, you know, if this was a meeting with someone else, we would move that meeting. We wouldn't delete that meeting. So I would also say that if it's important enough to time block, still make sure that you move it rather than delete it if, other, you know, if life happens, I guess. Yeah, I think that's really smart. And I think it's the other thing that I just thought of, I was just taking some notes, is that often when people are setting goals or they're feeling overwhelmed or stuck in their business, I think something that I give advice on is what is the priorities right now? What are the actual needs? Is it that you need to make money? Is it that you need to reach a bigger audience? Is it that you need to to get some press or to, you know, follow up with some meetings you had last week? Like what was or convert clients, right? So once you can prioritize the need, your immediate need, what might be causing anxiety or stress or overwhelm, Um, and go, okay, what am I actually needing here? Is it that, you know, I'm not making enough sales or that that I haven't heard back from that person or that project's not finished or I'm halfway through that? So then you can prioritise, okay, what what would actually help me to feel on top of things or, you know, get this outcome that feels like it's not getting anywhere? And then when you allocate, um, then you can actually pick what to-do list is a priority as well. So, okay, I'm not making sales and I need to start turning over some money. Great. I'm going to pick up my marketing list. And then all of a sudden you have a deep sense of why you're, you're going through that list as well, because yes, the why goes, okay, I'm feeling stressed right now because I haven't made sales and I've got to move this stock. So if that's the anxiety, then what working back from that, then it's like, great, we need to make sales. How do we make sales? We go to marketing. Okay, let's pick up the marketing. And, and then everything that you're doing in your business has a really 
clear return on investment rather than I think what happens sometimes because as entrepreneurs we we use all of these we wear all these different hats is Mm. we're just kind of stabbing in the dark trying to keep afloat rather than actually stopping and taking time to effectively choose what needs our attention yeah I think the word prioritizing it, it can it actually can elicit a lot of anxiety in itself because I think most of the time people try and prioritize everything so they're not actually, you know, prioritizing properly, I guess you would say, you know, it really should be a case of, okay, you know, things happen in stages. So if at the moment you're just feeling overwhelmed, stage one, priority one is to get you out from under that, not get you out from under that and start an ebook and write a course and do all the things, you know, sometimes you do just need to really carve out a, more time for priority one. Um, and so, yeah, I think we can, it, it's a very, it's very dangerous to try and sit there and prioritize everything. I think that's what a lot of us do because we're busy um, instead of actually going, okay, well, stage one is this. And when I finish stage one, then I'll move on to stage two instead of thinking, mm-hmm. how can I fit stage one and two into my week or my month? I think yeah. That a lot. That, and that is so true because I was listening to a productivity um, podcast the other day and one of the things they talked about is setting achievable goals. And so it might be that you've got this big, you know, list of books that you want to read. Instead of being like, how am I going to read all this book, all these books, you pick up one book and the goal is to read one, two pages. And when you set the bar low enough or, you know, achievable enough, mm. you actually achieve that. And then what happens in the brain is that you get a dopamine hit of, mm-hmm. of wow, I just achieved that. I set out, I I did something and I achieved it. And then you also have the experience in your body and you you gain confidence and you go, okay, I I can do this. I can achieve it, right? And then you can build on that momentum rather than setting the bar too high and just, you know, almost setting, you know, setting yourself up to fail. So achieving those small little tasks, it might be that, yeah, you are feeling overwhelmed and the best thing for you in that moment is to go for a walk and then come back and and send one email you know and yeah that allows you to build momentum and and roll with that onto bigger and tasks and you actually feel better about yourself and that's that you just reminded me as well like in terms of how i you know i'm a productivity coach self coined <laughs> i guess um but productivity for me it's not about jamming as much as you can into your time. It's about quality time, using your time in the best way that suits you. So when you just said, like, for example, you know, going for a walk to clear your head, for me, that it would be a productive use of my time if that's what I needed. So I think we try and prioritise everything. Um, we try, we, we think productivity means doing as much as possible, jamming as much as possible in when actually it should be a step-by-step process with prioritizing and productivity should be about quality use of your time. And if quality use of your time is spending it with family to fill your cup, to then be able to go back to work, then that is being productive to me. Mm, absolutely. Which leads us on to the second really powerful thing that you do and that you've mm-hmm. done with me, which is uh, I've, I've called it a personality testing. <laughs> <laughs> is that right? Is that accurate? It's uh well, you know, technical speak, it's the Herman Brain Dominance Instrument, HBDI. It's um it's a thinking preference profiling tool. So there's certainly personality tests and different strengths tests out there that coaches use. Um I came across HBDI when I was at Priceline as a staff member. So um pretty much all the staff um have use this profiling tool and I just found it was a really um, non-judgmental way to understand each other and it was not too complicated with lots of different little acronyms and things Um, and people could really understand quite easily at all levels of the company um, what people's profiles were. So I decided to adopt that for my business because it can quite, it, it quite clearly shows how you think versus other people. So we use that together. So that was actually part of when I was working with you. I'm like, I'd really love for you to do um, HBDI so that you understand what I do. And also it will really help 
when we are working together and it is it's just like this eye-opening tool and it really comes into um, its own when not just you have completed it but someone else has completed it Mm. So let's run through it a little bit. So yep. it's HBDI. <laughs> yes. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, HBDI. Uh, so a- basically I'm a qualified practitioner to actually um, administer the, it's essentially a, an online survey that then the results come back to the practitioner and then we sit down and have a chat and just unpack your results and what that means for you in the way you think, in the way you make decisions, prioritize things, um, and communicate with other people in a nutshell. Yeah. And it was, it felt like such a simple process, but it was so profound. And I guess, you know, on some levels I did know it and you knew it, um, but to see it in that, (laughs) you know, little pie chart where it was like, this is, you know, your skill sets, um, was really powerful in, in me again, having that, um, alleviation of, oh, like, uh, yes, this is what I'm good at. And I think the Mm. difference, what I learned through that process is, um, so just for those at home, we did an online survey, Lauren went away and and looked at it and um, put some meaning to it, I guess. And then we sat down and we ran through it and and Lauren identified pretty much what my strengths and weaknesses were in in my personality type and in the way that I work. And for me, like what came out of it was that, yeah, I was the dreamer, I was the goal setter, I was the leader and um, and that's where my strengths lie. And when I look at my career to date, then they're the things that I've won awards for or that I've built my business around or, you know, I get asked to speak on. And um, to know that and to see that... I could focus on those and they were the things that were making me and my, my business work mm-hmm. meant that um, it, it kind of quietened down some of the overwhelm and imposter syndrome um, in me because I was like, yes, I'm not a failure because I find it really hard to, you know, sit and focus and, and write long emails. It's just that's not my strong point. Yeah. And I, giving yourself grace to go find your strengths, play to those, and then the importance of building a team of people who have the skill sets that you don't, it just fit, it felt like it, it shone a spotlight on, you know, you as a person in my life and then the importance of prioritizing getting a VA and, um, you know, I brought on a new accountant and bookkeeper who's been incredible as well. So, yeah, it's definitely, um, it, it gives you a really sense of relief in your body. It can be like just mind-blowing to me. Um, and, yeah, like when you get your results and everything, like in a lot of ways it's it shouldn't be a surprise. It just should be like, of course, that's like so obvious now that you say it like that or put it like that. Um, but it just gives so, oh, I don't know, I, I could literally, we could do a whole other episode. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's like a therapist, right, when a therapist <laughs> says to you, oh, yeah, I think this is how you're feeling. You're like, yes, that's exactly how I feel. Yeah, it's like yeah. it's not that you didn't know, it's that you couldn't articulate yeah. where the stress was coming from or, or why you were doubting your ability to execute and follow through. It's like, um, no, that, that's just not my strong point. Yeah. Which leads oh sorry, you go. I was just gonna say, and for those at home like trying to visualize what on earth we're talking about, essentially we've got four different ways that we um think. So we either think think in fact or process or feelings or future thinking. So if you think of sort of a circle with the four wedges and we have essentially a, a rubber band that can stretch into any of those four quadrants, and some of us fully stretch into one or two of them and other others of us sort of stay quite even within those quadrants and that can bring different I suppose strengths and areas of of note for when we're communicating with other people yeah absolutely so do you offer that still is that still a, yeah, yeah yeah great those of you who'd like to give it a shot I guarantee you it's a game changer you can set <laughs> you can, we'll put um Lauren's details yeah. on here but it's seriously sorted.com Yep. Awesome. Send her an email and book yourself in. It'll really, really help. Which also leads me to our next point. So I guess, and I get this question a lot, how do you know when to outsource? Oh. And yeah, for me, this, um, 
the personality test and the to-do list were both, again, that deep um, understanding and the why for me to outsource because, you know, it's so easy to be like, oh, don't do everything yourself and um, yeah. And on a lot of levels, I've done that quite naturally. Like I would, I mean, I'm writing a book now, but I never considered myself a writer and I, you know, paid for copywriting. I paid for graphic design. I paid for photography. I paid for, um, you know, all of these other skill sets from day dot in my business. And I guess five to six years in having bigger goals and having, you know, plenty of ideas and being really connected to my audience and, you know, seeing every day what they're needing, my brain goes wild with what else I can do to help support our community. But the idea of sitting down, like, and I guess I am a bit of a um, control freak on some levels. (laughs) Really? Yeah. And I just also, my dad told me this the other day because I did it, I was on somebody else's podcast who asked me to look at my career path and how I got to where I am. Yeah. We went right back to my dad dug out all of that, all of my um, report cards. (laughs) And so we sat down and, and read them together and um, a lot of the feedback from my teachers was that I m- have great ideas, I move really quickly. This is like from grade five. <laughs> I move really quickly and sometimes overlook details and that I need to stop and slow down and, and um, think it out more. And my dad was yeah. like, yes, that is you and he's like that as well. So um this for me, outsourcing, stopping, planning, taking things by through a system and automating, like that doesn't suit my bullet a gate mentality. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, not at all. But I know also that um that my dream and my goal is to go bigger and to help more people and to create more resources and to write more books and courses and all of that. And I can't get there alone. Like my time is pretty much maxed out right now. Um, So there has to be a different way to do it, right? And I think that's where you get to that pain point of being like, now's the time to outsource. And these two processes really, really helped me to understand um, and to feel better about outsourcing. Yeah. And when we say outsourcing or when I say outsourcing at least, like, you don't have to go all the way to literally getting someone else to do it. Like if you're like, oh, my God, that just seems like the biggest jump for me. I definitely, when I work with clients, like often the first thing I'll do with someone is um, workflow their signature service. So, for example, okay, if that's your, like if we workflowed your one-to-one coaching, I would workflow it with you so that you could see where you need to be involved and what the admin is. And then the first step from there is making sure that as much of that admin is templated as possible. So you don't have to just fully go, right, I'm just going to get a person to do the admin because really you want a person to be doing the things that an actual person has to do. That sounds really silly. Um, But, you know, don't waste your dollars or that person's time on things that could be templated or automated. Make sure that you're valuing an actual individual's time as well by giving them the things that will make the most of of their time as well. So, um, yeah, so that's the first thing that we're really doing, even with that to-do list thing, is kind of going, right, what can we template, then uh, then automate, and then outsource, if that helps. Yeah, and I guess going back to the, you know, to-do list and the personality test as well, is that you, when you see that's my strong point and this is my to-do list that needs to involve me and those two things make you light up and get inspired, Mm -hmm. then you actually start to dream into, well, what if I got to keep running and scaling this business and even though there's going to be hard times and things that are clunky or that I have to still do even though I don't necessarily want to do them, but I could spend the majority of my time just doing that stuff you know yeah and I think that's what when you get to that point and you approach it outsourcing from that perspective then you feel inspired to invest in outsourcing to in to stop 
you know, doing your business and work on it and figure out what needs to be outsourced and the most effective way to do that. Um, and then you can actually invest in training somebody or, or onboarding or handing over some of the tasks, which let's be honest is for me, like I'm like, <laughs> going slow, step by step, like just give it to me, yeah. I'll do it, you know. Yeah, but you definitely need to um, set an indiv- if you are going down the outsourcing route of an actual individual, you totally need to set that person up for success. And that is certainly hard. If by definition you need someone, it also probably means you, you're at capacity. So it's really hard to then onboard a staff member, you know, a virtual team member. But I would absolutely, you know, plead with you to please take the time to do it right from the start um, because it will pay dividends in the long run. But I totally get that at the point where you're ready to do it, it's, it's probably because you're at capacity. Um, but it's it's really key to make sure that that person understands how you work um, and, and, and what their role is going to be. Yeah, absolutely. And again, back to why this relationship between us works so well is because we know that we need each other, right? Mm-hmm. We know like Lauren came for business coaching, was like, I'm trying to figure out what, what way I'm going to go next. And, and through our time together, I was like, well, actually, I think I need your help as well. <laughs> yeah, we just flipped the switch a bit both ways. Yeah. It was very funny. Um, but great, a very, you know, it's a realisation of how powerful it can be when you don't just surround yourself with the same people, you know. You need yeah. the complementary skill sets to help you to grow. And, and that's something that's really interesting about when I do HPDI with teams. Um, it's very it can be very easy and you, you shouldn't use HBDI as a recruitment tool or such, but um, like when I go into t- um, small teams and you see that um, everyone has a very similar profile and I'll probably get, um, you know, when I'm sort of being briefed in by the, the business owner, it'll be like, oh, you know, we're actually, we get along really, really well and we make really quick decisions and we communicate beautifully. So we're, we're doing real well. And then, in my head, I'm already thinking, okay, it's probably because you'll have very similar thinking preference profiles. And that's amazing for team culture and communication. But it also means that if we're not, if we don't have a whole brained thinking preference profile team, and we just have everyone in sort of a couple of different quadrants, like leaning to to particular ways of thinking, we could be missing out on a bunch of ideas that we've never thought of, because you need that different way of thinking to bring the different ideas to the table. So whilst it can make for really efficient um, decision-making, you might be missing out on a whole plethora of ideas. Mm, that's a great point. It, it actually just reminds me from very early in my business. Um, I remember I, I did issue one of my magazine and then it had all of this really great feedback and I was like, all right, I'm going to roll with issue two and I, and I put a bunch of people around the table and we had lunch and we just brainstormed, all right, now we have a magazine, you know, what does it stand for? And one of the girls sitting around the table and I was like, I was reading Richard Branson's book at the time and I was like, yeah. I'm going to start a publishing company and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And she was similar to you and she was like, Kayleen, stop. <laughs> <laughs> no, let's just pick three things that we're going to nail. And that was when I came up with educate, inspire and grow creative entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden that made my business um, feel very clear and I knew what I was out to achieve and it made you know, every move from there much easier. But let's do, um, let's talk about this third, this third strategy that you do with clients. Yeah. And um, you've just mentioned about doing it with me and my business coaching. Um, but this whole idea of mapping the customer experience, because I think yeah. when I've watched you do that, and I've worked with you on observing um, that, that as a strategy, it for me was a game changer. I was like, whew, like not only can, you know, you, you can see opportunities to bring, to save time and to, to regain the most precious thing that yeah. we were looking for, which is time, um, but it also highlights really clear opportunities to make more money as well in your business. Yeah. So as I mentioned, so um I guess when people come to me, the first thing I often will do with them is 
workflow their signature service. So when I say I'm going to workflow your service, it means we get together on Zoom, you don't prepare anything, and I just go, right, okay, Kayleen, you know, how does someone inquire with you? And then how do we onboard them? How do we provide our service? How do we offboard them and how do we re-engage? And that's sort of the five um sort of categories that we go through for someone. You want to go through those again because I think that's really good for everyone to understand. So let's go do the the five steps. So inquiry. So how do you, and, and we go through this in your path of least resistance and how you want your ideal client to go through the path. So not just necessarily, oh, well, sometimes I get DMs and sometimes I get emails. You know, ideally, this is how I'd like it to work. So we can start to get more efficient with your time. So we work through the inquiry process. So how does someone inquire with you? How do they make contact? What information do you give them during that process? And that sort of um, moves into onboarding once they've agreed to work with you. So onboarding. I'm just going to jump in on that one because I think, you know, and I've spoken to a few other business owners as well, it can be really hard and overwhelming. You know, that in itself is a great um, understanding to observe how people are finding you. And, you know, for me, when people reach out via social media and say, hey, you know, can I get some coaching or whatever, I always direct them straight to my email because, for me, that like that's it streamlines it as well. Yes. Like it's just like no, this is, and you can then can start to direct people in your ideal way of like no, inquire this way because things get lost on social media, or I'm you know I might be out to dinner and see the message and forget, and then my inbox fills up. So being able to know your desire for people's way of contacting you and and being okay with like directing them through that intake as well. Yeah, because and often I spend the most amount of time (laughs) with a a client in the workshop on inquiry, which um, is kind of funny um, because, you know, sometimes we're working out, okay, well, you know, your ideal client, like how do you really, they will follow whatever process it is that you would like them to follow if they're your ideal client. And then there's also this other piece sometimes, which is more of a mindset piece around, well, hang on, how, you know, it, it, why is it taking, you know, four back and forth emails to book in a time with you? Is that because you need to be giving them information before they book in with you or you're vetting them? Or is it actually because you're a little bit nervous to have that sort of sales call? Like, like let's just kind of flesh that out first because we want to be making the most of your time. Mm. Um, and we don't want it to be difficult for someone to make contact with you ultimately. So we want to make sure that you're getting the information you need if you actually need to have some kind of decision to even move forward with someone at that stage, um, as well as they having enough information to decide whether they want to move forward in the process as well. So Mm. inquiry is actually super key. Absolutely. And I think, you know, for a lot of people, I mean, we've done an, we've done a podcast episode on building your expert status. And I think that is like almost the step before, right. And where you can really showcase your value and your Mm. promise and what you are, are setting out to achieve and, um, support your customer with. So all of that comes through, your marketing and your ability to showcase your value and what the statistics are showing is that people your customer will show will spend 70% of their time you know getting to know you over there on your on your status and what what you're putting out to the world and and what you're promising and and they're, they're sussing out whether they think you're going to be able to deliver on that promise and then they're coming and get there. So by the time that they come for an, an inquiry, you can pretty much assume that they're pretty ready to take the, the next step, right? And I think I'm reading Seth Godin's marketing book at the moment and he talks so much about the number of choices that we have and and in as consumers right now and with too many choices it's actually easier for consumers to to say well I'm not going to do anything I'll just leave it as is mm. because I don't even know where to start so by getting once people are inquiring with you then you can assume that you know they've done a bit of background research they're feeling pretty inspired they think that you have what it takes to solve a problem in their life 
or to add value to their life. And then I think this is where it starts, right, is how do you get them from that inquiry to a customer as quick as possible? And so I love that point around, um, you know, not only do you need to collect information from them, but how do you give them everything that they can um, then make their final choice and you can convert them over that final little edge that they might be sitting on saying, is this right for me or not? Yeah. And like, let's not forget that sometimes just purely inquiring can be really scary for someone and they don't know like how you're going to respond to them. Like what, what is the next step? So I think being really clear on how they should be contacting you and what they can expect next, which kind of, you know, is, is I guess work, work flowing all of this to begin with becomes a blueprint for them being able to speak to how a client will go through the journey with you. Um, so, yeah, so inquiry is actually a piece that even though sometimes it ends up being only a few steps, um, it can take a little bit of fleshing out to make sure that everyone has what they need to move on to the next step. And the next step is onboarding. So for me, onboarding is taking them through. um, So they've agreed to work with you, which would sort of be the end of inquiry. And then you would start sort of organizing whatever it is you need. And I'm in my head, I'm also talking, I'm thinking service-based business, just so everyone knows. Um, We're organizing sort of client intake forms or we're organizing um, proposals and contracts and getting a deposit everything right up until you've got enough information um, to actually execute your service in service delivery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, amazing. And I think that, um, you know, once you get them into that um, onboarding space too, it's like, and just I was just thinking then about doing this for myself, but also, you know, for those at home, it's like, these are all little touch points where you get to wow your customer and be a personal being. And, you know, it doesn't have to be on the phone. It can be that you add a, um, you know, a little friendly remark or a freebie or, you know, you send them a welcome pack. Like there's so, it's, it's so good to look at this because another thing that I think is really important is always looking at how can we be better? How can we serve our, our customer better? And and I think it's, you know, alongside this process, definitely almost running a parallel, you know, little experimental, you know, overview where you can be like, how are they feeling at each of these points and what do they need from me to ensure that they're feeling safe and trusting of me and my ability to deliver yeah. for them? I always sort of say if you at any point in the process get an email from a client asking, so where are we at, then you know you haven't in, like communicated with them well enough mm. about where they are at in the process, whether that's at any at any of those five stages. If you get a, a where are we at email, then there's definitely some area for improvement, um, improvement there. Mm. And so, that's the beauty of outsourcing, right, is or automating, I guess, is that, um, you know, you have a system in place so that you're not managing all of these different, you know, processes, but you, you know, totally. you, you have one really clear um, direction that everyone's going in. So great. So we've, we're up to that onboarding. So we're collecting information back and forth. That could be, yep. you know, forms, you know, automated forms online, um, Payments, bookings, agreements, all those fun things. Yeah. And and then I guess once we're satisfied with that onboarding piece, um, we move into actually executing whatever it is that services that we offer, whether that's coaching, copywriting, photography, whatever that might be. And what I would say there is make sure that you have finished onboarding someone before you start service delivery. So if you're still waiting on an invoice, uh, you know, a deposit or for that final thing to be given back. So like if you're someone that actually needs to collect a lot of information, like if you're writing, if you're a a marketer or writing someone's brand personality and you're waiting on a whole bunch of stuff from the client during onboarding, make sure that you're holding space for them to do that before you actually start your piece and don't just necessarily start when you don't have everything ready. And I guess I say that from a protecting the value of your time point of view. Mm. Um, so, yes, yeah, so then we would workflow how your service works um, from an execution point of view. Um, 
and sort of the back and forth of whether there's drafts of things, whether it's a, a, a sort of a circular piece around, well, you know, it's a six six um, session coaching package. So we just sort of go around this little circle <laughs> until we've finished all six pieces. Um, and then once that last bit of the service has finished, we want to make sure we offboard people in a way, again, that makes them know that this is the the conclusion of the service, not in a harsh way or anything. But again, if we get an email sort of saying, okay, cool. So, you know, that was the last session, you know, is, is that it? Like if, again, if we get sort of a, a query around that, then we know we haven't really offboarded someone very well. So we want to make sure that, sure, if it's, if it's coaching, they get some kind of, even if it's just an email to say, hey, you know, it's been a really great um, round of coaching. Here's some extra information to further embed your learning, keep in contact with me, yada, yada. Because, mm. um, you know, when it's a product-based business, we kind of know that the close is receiving the, the product, I suppose. Um, so we want to make sure we've offboarded in a way that everyone knows that that's the conclusion of the service. And I think that the thing, because I heard this on your podcast episode actually, and I was like, oh, I definitely haven't spent enough time there because when you, and I used to do it and I just haven't for yeah. a long time, is that when um, you when you actually have a process in place for offboarding, then you can actually have, there's so many what I like kind of soft outcomes that can also return investment for your business. Mm-hmm. So it might be, and, you know, for product-based businesses or restaurants, you know, I definitely um, get these emails, is asking them to, to leave a review or, yes. you know, giving them a referral code or on-selling another piece of, uh, you know, what, what might be the next step for them after they've finished that service or product, you know, that you might also like this or jump on our subscription totally. or join our Facebook or here's the podcast, you know. So it's an opportunity to keep them engaged in your community for them to send them out to do marketing work for you and then also it means that they they stay what is considered like a warm lead, right? So yeah. they might come back and then re-engage at some point. So if there is one thing, like if you would, you know, if you're listening and you think, oh, my gosh, I don't do any offboarding, <laughs> if there's one thing i got to ask you to do, it would be to send an email asking for their feedback and possibly a testimonial, like default that's what I always have tell and advise my clients that if they are like, oh my gosh, Lauren, I don't actually have one at the moment. Okay, right. Let's create an offboarding process. We definitely want to get feedback on the service and if appropriate, would love a testimonial from that client. Um, so absolutely. And then I guess the last piece is re-engagement and this can kind of blend, like it can either be sort of, you know, depending on your service, it might be, look, you know, in six months time, we'll review this thing that we did together, but it could be more of a blended approach with offboarding, like you say. So we blend them out of offboarding and into sort of warm sort of leads and re-engagement by inviting them to join our community um, to make sure that they're still just sort of, um, we're sort of top of mind, I suppose. Um, or it could be a case of, okay, well, you finish this service and the next logical, like I do have a next logical service that you could move on to, if that makes sense, mm. um, for the client. So there are a few different ways you either sort of um, blend it through into a beautiful re-engagement piece or sometimes it does make more sense to sort of conclude and then check in periodically down the track. But um, yeah. Which again, make of- sure that we have something in there. Yeah, which actually closes the loop, right? So if you think about this as a bit of a customer journey as a circle, then Mm -hmm. that final piece, you know, the reviews and, um, you know, whatever else, the testimonials on the website, all of that then feeds back in for the next group who are looking to who are in that stalking stage, right? And (laughs) so they're actually adding to that strategy where people are spending 70% of their time stalking you and and researching you and understanding, you know, what outcomes you can get for them. So it it brings it round to a nice little loop, which, you know, in that, that in itself, and I encourage everyone to sit down and create some space to do this as a process, because um, not only will you identify where maybe you are going back and forth too much, maybe where you could have a, a stock standard um, email or an intake form or an automated invoicing or booking process, 
Um, and then what, what you'll also find is that, yeah, where you might be um, wasting time on things that don't necessarily need to be you and, um, mm-hmm. and also where you might be missing out on clients. I know I get asked a lot, like, you know, I'm getting lots of inquiries, but people aren't converting. So smoothing out this process um, is a really good way to understand what your client needs, how they might be feeling um, and how to quickly get them because, you know, back to where we started, we do live in this saturated, busy um, marketplace where everyone is trying to get your attention at every minute of the day. So um, to leave it too long or to have glitches in this process actually Mm. means you're going to lose out on customers because if I've sent five different inquiries for a business coach and you take three days to get back to me and someone else takes two hours, then, you know, chances are I could just go with a two-hour person. That's right. And so once you've completed this process of considering these five stages, um, and particularly if you like, if you've done that with me, I break that down into a process map, which sounds super nerdy, but you know, it's my art form. (laughs) Um, And I break it down into what the client sees, what the admin piece is, and what the service provider piece is. So like Kayleen's piece that she must do. And, and then we come back together and we have a look and go, oh my gosh. So, you know, We've mapped out this ideal um, journey and, yes, Kayleen is doing all the Kayleen pieces and all the admin pieces when really the admin pieces are your blueprint or your list for things that can be templated, automated, outsourced. It's also then we can go and look at just the client piece of that journey go, you know, okay, now that we've looked at it on paper, gosh, you know, there's still quite a few steps before they have their first um, and, you know, inquiry call with you or discovery call with you. Can can we shorten that to, again, just make less barriers for the client to engage with you, for example? Or we might look at it and go, no, that's a really great workflow and now we can go out and speak to it. So when we're having our inquiry calls, we can go, yep, so from here you're going to get this, this and this. My service delivery is, a you know, X week or, you know, this many month piece and you can start to really talk about your um, your service with a bit more control, which I do think, um, I guess, alleviates some nerves from a lot of people. Like, you know, my my thinking preference type would love that if mm-hmm. if you knew exactly how long the service takes, where I am at in the process at any time. And then the other piece is this is a blueprint of your entire service delivery. So if you were looking to expand and getting, um, you know, a VA, you've got you've got the document that one shows that person which pieces they do and where those pieces sit in the overall process. So you don't actually have to sort of sit down and go, okay, I'm going to try and verbally explain to you what it is that my one-to-one coaching is. And then like, once I've done this, then you've got to do that. They can, li- they can literally see it. Mm. As well as if you've got any other kind of staff member, if you've got a second coach coming on board or whatnot, it's like, right, now the Kayleen piece is actually you and someone else, for example, and they know exactly where they sit and they know where the VA does their piece. And it's just sort of this launching pad yeah. for a number of different ways to look at things. And then you can also go, right, I, you know, I'm currently charging this and I can see that my time, you know, in a, coach, a one-on-one coaching plan, I spend this much of my own time in it and I pay a VA this much. So I have a little bit more information to start informing the value of my time, if that makes sense, to then decide what to charge, for example. Yeah, and I I think I find this a lot, especially with, you know, graphic designers, photographers, even, um, you know, therapists. It's that if you, you know, you might think you're charging this much and Mm. you're getting that you know, this is how much I earn for this job. But then when you actually break it down into these kind of processes, you could be like, you know, you might divide up how much you're charging by how much you actually start to see how much time you're spending. Then you can actually go, well, shit, I thought I was earning really good money, but really Mm -hmm. I'm, you know, I'm over committing and I'm, by the time I put in everything, I'm actually getting, um, you know, diluted my hourly rate basically. Yeah. And I think yeah, that, I, yeah, the other thing I was just going to say to that is that it actually means you can start to set yourself financial goals. So yeah. if you're thinking, oh, you know, I'm, I'm stuck at earning this much, 
then, you know, by clearly articulating exactly how long and how many hours you can spend on, on or you have to spend with a client or delivering a product or a service, then you're actually got, you're able to look at the r- realistic time in your diary and say, well, I actually can only take on four clients at a time, yes. um, which means that my income is maxed out at this. And if your desire is to earn more, then you can actually use this system to go back and figure out, well, all right, to be earning what I want to be earning or, you know, reaching this many people, whatever the goal is, um, I need to be able to get five more hours of my time back. So where am I spending that time right now and how do I find those five hours? Exactly. And that's pretty much exactly what I do sort of with my next phase of um, service. So sometimes people are just like coolio, happy with the workflows, just need to try and actually like use them because a lot of the times doing an ideal workflow it's theory until you actually start using it but then the next level is like I often use a photographer as a good example of this because photographers for example have um, from a client perspective have a shoot that is usually time-based so like a two-hour shoot and if your two-hour shoot is a thousand dollars you know you might think great cool I'm making 500 bucks an hour but when you workflow it and you see that actually with editing and bumping in and out and the back and forth with different um, proofs and things, it's actually, you know, 14 hours of my time. You can start to realise, okay, well, it's very easy to, number one, just say yes to, you know, fitting in one more two-hour shoot tomorrow when you really should be thinking, okay, it's two hours, you know, it's two hours to the client, but it's actually another 12 hours beyond that for me. Do I have the capacity next week to execute that? And also, you know, at 14 hours, your hourly rate is less than $100, which is fine. It just, but it's just, it gives you a better understanding of where, like how much you're getting for that service to yeah. then be able to, to, to use it as a bit of a, of a lever or toggle to go, right, well, I've got this many days a week to um, work in my business because some people definitely don't have um, five or seven, they might have two or three. So that means I can fit this many two hour shoots into my week, including all of that um, editing and whatnot. So if I can fit, you know, three shoots or services, I, I guess, into my week, that's going to give me X income at this current rate. So I either need to, you know, if I want, would like, if I have an income goal of more, I either need to find some more time to do another shoot or I need to increase my prices or a combination of the both so you sort of have a again it's the more information the better for you to be able to make informed decisions on that because the worst the worst question we ask ourselves often is oh what should I price my service at so Mm. the more information the better absolutely and just to wrap us up I think that finishes on two really strong points is Mm. um one I often get asked, you know, when's the right time to leave your job and and pursue the side hustle? Um, So that can really clearly articulate, okay, you can set a goal and how much time and if your goal is, you know, $10,000 and you've only got two days a week but you've got more work coming in, then perhaps you are ready to add another shoot which would allow you to to get that, you know, but you're going to need that extra three day, you know. Um, So it can help you to, to really clearly... Um, set that. And then I think the final point, which I think all of this really feeds into is having really clear understanding of your process, which allows you to have an understanding and, you know, um, back yourself with your worth. And then most importantly, especially if you're growing and scaling a business and you are feeling time poor, it actually empowers you to put up boundaries and to um, direct customers through a process that you know works because you've spent time on it and is going to make you the most efficient and capable um, service offerer or deliverer on on that problem. So it means that you stop saying yes to just everything and anything and you put everyone through a system um, which means that you can manage your time better and, you, you know, your work doesn't leak into every minute of your day. Totally. We all need, wait, like, we all want to say yes when, we, when it's appropriate and when we can. But if you don't have a visual about, in terms of your capacity, of what saying yes really means um, for your capacity, that 
that takes you down sort of this really dangerous, scary slope of, um, you know, over-promising and under-delivering essentially. Um, so the more information we can have around that, as well as I'll say, you know, I always query people in that inquiry piece to make sure like, um, do you need a decision point for yourself to decide whether you, one, want to work with this client and two, have the time? Because I think as well, sometimes when we get that inquiry, we get so um, caught up in trying to convert them, we stop, we, we forget to stop and go, hang on a minute, do I want to work with this client? We get caught up in trying to convince them that we forget to query whether they're the right fit for us. So I think that would be something that I would say as well. Um, when to say no for your time and when to say no because they're not necessarily the right fit. Absolutely. Great advice. So just to recap, we've got, um, you know, break your to-do list up into those categories or titles or um, certain aspects of your business Mm. so that you can then time block your week and allocate those to-do lists to when you're most suited to be doing that time. Um, You might want to check out the personality testing with Lauren. Um, We'll include her details on our website with the show notes from this. And then taking some time out of your business to go through your customer experience and see where you can be automating, perhaps outsourcing. And I think all of those three points um, will help you to see where you need to um, get some help and leverage people's skill sets that aren't necessarily yours, um, but that will allow you to grow and scale your business to have more time, to feel less overwhelmed um, and ultimately make more money in your business as well. Yes. (laughs) Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom today, Lauren. That was so helpful. I'm so pleased. Thanks so much for having me. Pleasure. Thank you so much for tuning into the Startup Creative Podcast. If you get a chance, head to iTunes and leave a rating and review. And don't forget to hit subscribe so you get notified every time there's a new podcast up. See you next week. Bye.